0: Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Distraction Pieces Podcast, episode 337. This one's been a long time coming, guys. I've had this guy on my list since day one. And one of the early guests was his sometime musical partner, Killer Mike. Um, And actually, on on that day, I'd originally spoken about interviewing both of them one after another. But because of the way things went, I didn't get to start the interview with Mike until about 1 a.m. at their hotel. So by the time we finished that, it was like half two, three. And that wasn't really the time to be starting a new podcast. So years later, um, I managed to have a chat over Zoom with the wonderful LP. I've been a fan, as I mentioned in the podcast, my fandom of L goes way, way before Run the Jewels, um, and we get to talk about all of it. It's really good to get really in-depth in depth in, uh, in his career. Um, I'm not going to ramble on too long in the intro. I should m- mention that Run the Jewels 4 is out now, um, and out physically on September 18th. The Capone's soundtrack, which we occasionally refer to as Fonzo, because that was the name that it had when it was all being made um that's out now digitally and physically around the same time mid to end of september i think and the fantastic damage reissue on all digital platforms now and physical once again mid to end of september so there's a lot of good stuff to come and we get to talk about all of it so i hope you enjoy this one we we recorded this a month over around a month ago maybe a month and a half or two months it's been in the vaults for a while now but i'm delighted to get it out to you if this is your first time tuning in you might want to check in the back catalogue for which episodes the killer mike episode obviously the sage francis episode the b dolan episode uh the Saul williams episode the open mike eagle episode loads of really good um rap acts gene gray is a fantastic episode Loads of great ones in there. Give them all a good look. Kate Tempest twice. Um, Anyway, I'll stop listing previous guests and let you enjoy episode 337 of the Distraction Pieces podcast with El
1: Producto, L.P., Greetings, 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 dearest Distraction Pieces listener, that means you. Uh, This is producer Buddy Peace, hello, Um, hope you're doing good. Just a little shout ahead of the episode itself, because Pip mentioned a few dates of various LP-related projects coming up, um, such as the Capone film which is now looking at a release of late october also the re-release of his solo album fantastic damage uh, is looking at a 20th of november release too i i just finished editing the intro so i've forgotten what dates he said on that but i think it was something to do with september so yeah don't get it twisted it's um capone late october and fantastic damage 20th of november and yeah also just a a really quick little aside yeah i'm am I'm a long-term fan of lp like uh Pip is. uh yeah since the the days of uh company flow Cannibal Ox, yeah all the sort of old Def chuck bits and related collaborations and such and I've, i sort of feel like i was there for a lot of that stuff like very sort of present for that whole like weird indie rap scene and period uh it's sort of almost long enough in the distance to get all nostalgic about it, but um I mean in many ways the torch is still being carried, and there's a lot of there's a lot of echoes of it still in in the atmosphere but um yeah it's it's really cool to hear about the older stuff along with the present day stuff too, and uh sort of get a bit of a context on the whole thing um yeah it's it's really enjoyable it's like if you're if you're an l p fan from back in the day you'll get a real charge out of this one. Similarly, if you're relatively unfamiliar with LP and you're perhaps a new Run the Jewels head, um, you'll get a lot out of this too, because you'll get a chance to hear not only Run the Jewels talk, but you'll get a, a hint at what else he's up to and you know, history and the other non-Run the Jewels projects, which uh, all contributes to the whole LP universe. That's a buddy piece interruption. Thanks for your patience. Um, I am confident that we will bump into each other eventually in the future. I hope you're well. Uh, On with the episode. Peace.
0: So I'll get started. All
2: right. How you been?
0: I've been good, man. I've been good. I'm here today with LP. Um, man, I've, I'm so glad that we can make this work because I've been wanting yeah, to get yeah, you yeah. on this for a long time. Um,
2: Absolutely.
0: Just again, starting off, how are you? How's it all going out there? Weird times in the world. I'm kind of starting every podcast with just a check in, essentially. Right.
2: The, the dreaded question. How are yeah. you? Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm cool, man. I'm lucky. I got you know, I got a place, I got a place to chill. I got, I got a wife and a dog, you know, um, <clears throat> obviously there's a, a lot of conflicting feelings going on right now. I'm I'm psyched that the record is out. I'm, I'm dealing with the same sort of shit that everyone is sort of feeling from, you know, as much as you can from a distance of the, 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 the you know, the turmoil and the mental and the, and, and the psychic strain of, 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 of the fuck shit. Um, yeah and but you know um feeling very lucky to 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 be able to um i'm just luckier than a lot of other people i mean even with the pandemic thing you know um the, you know so many friends of mine a lot of which are in the service industry and, and from all walks of life are you know have been legitimately suffering and, and dealing yeah. with that shit and you know um so i i feel very i feel very lucky to 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 sort of have a, a sort of stable you know situation because you know it's been hard for people, and then you know, of course, we're dealing with sort of an epochal wave of of shit in in America that that's mm. you know, and and really all over the world, obviously emanating here from here, and you know, there's um, it's it's constantly on, it's constantly there, it's it's on your mind, which is okay, you know, it's important, and, but it's it's
1: it ain't a vacation, <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, it's, you know, it's 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 something that is um is real um, and something that is sort of present in my mind and my head and whether I'm, I'm sort of thinking and moving, but I'm good. I'm good.
0: Yeah. I feel again, it's, 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 it's interesting times. It is it, fascinating and bizarre watching the way it affects every warp of life, like every, every, every kind of area, anyone who's working in any area. And you've had a couple of releases essentially in this time or things that you're involved with. And, there's so much I want to talk about in this chat because my fandom of you goes back like t- t- 20 years. Um, I've been, no, I've been, you. I've been along for the ride for a long a ride, but and let's fuck off any kind of linear timelines to start with and start with something that you've had very recently that I've been excited about. Now, two of my mates are a director called J- Josh Trank and an actor called Tom Hardy. And oh, you know
2: Josh? Okay. I, I know out. both cool. those
0: guys and we've got a group awesome. message and they were so hyped when you came on board to do the score yeah, yeah, for Capone. Yeah. And it's a weird one because we've now not had a UK release of it yet. So really? I've not seen any of it, I but mm. I've just, yeah, I've been excited about it f- for a long time. How was that to get involved in? And how was that to to do the, was that the first f- film score you've done or have you done others?
2: I, I did a film score, I think in two thousand. Four or five um, for an indie film called Bomb the System, which was a yeah. which was the first time I had ever done a film score and the last time I had done a film score. So yeah. um, this must have um, felt d-
0: different, though, right? With everything you would have learnt in that time, or your career in that time, is so there's going to be sure. so much difference there.
2: Yeah, for sure. Uh, I, 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 you know, it, it was much different. The first one was sort of um, came came because the director was a huge fan and he was. He was sort of putting temp music in his in his movie, and it was all my instrumentals. And then he was just like, "Fuck it, why don't I just reach out to this guy and see if he'll he'll actually create something new?" Yeah. And I I did, you know, and it was great, and it was sort of got a taste of that process a little bit, and I really enjoyed it. Um, I saw so it's something that I wanted to do, you know. I I, I grew up on film score music. And, um, the first piece of vinyl I ever bought was the star Wars, you know, film score yeah, when yeah, I was yeah. w- however old, you know, a child. So this was really amazing to get involved in. It was, um, you know, I've been always thinking in the back of my mind, that would be something that I would do again, but I never really pursued it. It wasn't like I, I, you know, obviously I've been busy doing, doing my own shit and, yeah. um, but because it was Josh who I met and knew through the Fantastic Four film, um, yes. the the infamous Fantastic Four film that, that you <laughs> yeah, know yeah. that fucking you know destroyed his life for you know for a couple of years. But he yeah. he he reached out to me when that film was done, and he wanted me to score the the end credits of that film, right? Which I did. And that was great. And we became friends and we stayed friends. Um And I was sort of friends with him through that whole period of time when, you know, when he was essentially blacklisted from, from Hollywood, you know, he had a, hugely, he had a, yeah. he got a raw deal for sure. A lot of it was, you know, it was complicated and it was tough. And he was a young, you know, really young director when all that, you know, went down and yeah. I think that it was really scary for him to, to be confronted with like You know, one year you're, you're living your dreams and you've got, um, you've got the world at your feet and, and, and you're getting all this opportunity that you dreamed about. And the next, you can't get anyone on the phone anymore. You know, and during that time, we became really close. I, I kind of understood what it was like. I understood what it felt like to, to lose everything. I kind of was able to give him a little bit of like, hey man, like, you know, this shit fucking happens, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. Um and, and and you know, I like the guy. He's incredibly intelligent and funny and, and um and and well meaning and also like, you know, has not the type of person who, who looks at it like the world is the problem. You know, he was he was he was, you know, honest about like his own sort of like growth and what he needed to do to grow and all that shit. And, you know, when he I you know Sorry, Um, when it came sort of time for, I remember sort of talking with him during the whole period of time when he was trying to figure out what his next move was. And he started to talk about writing something and I was like, man, that's exactly what you should do. You should fucking write something that's small and personal to you and that you can, you know, go back to the, the art of it and, and it will save you. Cause that's, that's what happened to me, you know? And, and it was sort of the only advice that I could ever give anybody it was like, you know? Um, yeah. and so I loved the spirit of the thing. And I really, I, I thought that, um, you know, when he approached me to do it, I was just like, yeah, I'll, I'll do that shit because there's some soul there, you know? Um, there was some purpose there and I, I appreciated it. And so he came, he basically shot the film I went down to the set and hung on with him and Hardy and 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 just sort of was on on yeah. on set as it was happening and pictures Hardy appeared fucking... in the
0: group message, all, all excited. Yeah, that's dope. And you
2: know, Tom is a you know, if you know Tom, he's fucking hilarious. Like yeah. he's nonstop, like one of the funniest people that I've I've ever met. And dare I say, weird. You know, like yeah. fucking in the in the best way. And he's also a rapper. He was also yeah. like a yeah, fucking yeah, yeah. rapper, and so did, he he did he play you any of his stuff? I no, I had heard it separately. Yeah. I had heard, yeah, 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 I had heard shit, and so he was like in the Run the Jewels. You know, I think Josh turned him on to Run the Jewels, and so he was like, you know, there's like video of him like in in full Al Capone, like you know, <laughs> full full Al Capone costume and makeup, like just fucking dancing to uh, Oh Darling. You know, it, it, it was it was really funny. So it was cool to hang out with them on set. I I went back, they, um, they, they finished the flick and Josh basically drove from the set in Louisiana, um, straight to my, straight to my place. And he Amazing. stayed with me for, you know, six months or something while me and Wilder, um, were in, in the studio working on the music and he was in, you know, another room in his bedroom, basically working on the edit. And so it it was this, it was this cool sort of back and forth, you know, it was, it was a really unique way to work, you know, really kind of intimate. And it was it was really cool to sort of be in that situation where you're seeing you're seeing someone figuring out what it was that they had and what 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 it was that they were versus what they thought they had and trying to turn it into what 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 it was supposed to be and you were sort of a part of that process in in, in a way and it was cool it was really it was so, really cool it's and,
0: amazing to hear that sounds like s- such a unique approach to scoring it it feels like collaborating on a record
2: it was, it you know, really where, was. Where,
0: where your MC is going away and coming in excited. I've got this new bit for you to, to check out yeah. and you're building yeah. it, but then, then you're away building your stuff and going back to him and saying, here's what I've done. And having that excitement in the same building as such feels like that's not how films are normally done. That sounds amazing.
2: No. Yeah. I get the feeling that's, that's going to be a one, one time experience. You know, yeah. usually, usually, usually they, and I've done some scoring for other stuff, um yeah. uh, just sort of minor stuff and, 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 you know, be it a video game or a couple of little movies, uh, things. And, um, it's not the case, you know, it's usually yeah. that they just send you, send you some shit uh, that's already done. And then you have you have to talk on the phone to like, 20 different people every yeah, day who yeah, are, yeah, yeah. you know, who are telling you to like, you know, make it faster, but slow it down. Or, you know, like, can we, can we make it, you know, can we make it softer, but more aggressive? You know, it's like, it's, yeah. you know, you just get, you, you know, this all this sort of very confusing, very like red tape shit that, that is, is that most, most of those experiences are like. And, and that's just the way it is. That's the way oh. that, that that gig is. Everyone's very invested in, in it. And, but this was unique. This was different. It was really just us and, and, and Josh. But I will say that the, we probably scored the movie five times, (laughs) you know, because it, because it kept evolving and kept changing. And he was making, you know, we'd think that we had the, 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 the score and then he would, you know, change it completely. Basically, he'd, he'd cut the, you know, he'd cut the movie in a different way. And there were were major, major themes and stuff that ultimately got cut out of the film. And by the time the movie got to where it was, it was different than, than, than than the way it was before in the sense that, probably about one edit before he finalized the edit, it was a totally different movie. And it was like scored from front to back. Yeah. And then, but, and then, you know, I think he had some changes at heart in terms of what his intention was of the tone and everything. And, and so that radically changed what ended up in the film, you know? Um, yeah. So a lot of the, a lot of the stuff that we made for the, for the film didn't make the film just because it was like, you know, you had to be in service of the movie. And, and, and at the end of the day, it was very clear. It was like, this is Josh's piece, you know, and that, and that's, and that's one of the interesting things about working as a score artist is that more than anything that I've ever done in my life, you know, you really have to be in service of someone else's vision. You know, it's yeah. like you're, you, you, you try, you know, as much as you can and imbue it with what you are. But also at the same time, you got to remember the whole time, like, this is this dude's thing and I yeah. gotta, you know, it's gotta be that. So it was cool. It was interesting. And, you know, sometimes I was like, motherfucker, you, you cut that shit. You know what I mean? But then, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, but then once I get out of my head about it, I'm like, well, you know, shit, I would have done the same thing, you know, yeah. like, yeah. and, you know, it's it's the same position that I take. Cause I, I, you know, I'm, I'm the boss on these fucking records when it comes time to producing, you know, when it yeah, comes time yeah, to yeah. It. I make these decisions all the time. Someone will come in, you know, Mike will come in one day and lay a verse on a beat and then come back two days later and it, th- that beat's gone. And it's yeah. a completely different, you know? And so <laughs> I can't, I'm, I'm kind of like, I can't really bitch about that because I know that when, you know, at the end of the day, that's, that's what sort of being at the helm of, of something entails. And so it was, it was really interesting. I mean, there's, just going through that and, and trying things out and thinking that you had it nailed and then going back and realizing, no, it's got to change. And, and you know, also, like I said, we were edited, we were scoring as he edited. So we would think that we had this very precise score that was kind of going down that was really matching up to like little individual motion and things yeah. that were happening and then he'd come back and 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 we're all and all of it's, it's none of it's digital we're we're doing it all with wow analog sense. and like the whole thing is analog and um wow so it's this thing where it's like if you change 30 seconds of a fucking scene Jamie has to go back in and fucking sh- you know and and, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, and re- yeah. really rearrange everything so that said i mean that's not anything but just saying it's a really interesting process and it's something that um I will do again, I'm sure, sometime. I was going to say, I mean, you, you
0: know. do you think that process has informed anything on the way you, you'll produce music in future? I know that when um, me and Dan Lassac did t- t- two albums together and then we, we went off and did solo albums, and when we came back for our third album together, we were better at making a Lassac versus Pip album than we had been previously, even though because we'd gone off and done other right. shit, and it really informed right. us to make it all t- tighter and different.
2: Yeah. You know, I look at all of the albums that I do as practice for the next album or the next project or the next thing. I think that, I think that if anything, it was, it was, it was, it was more that where I had come in the 10 years that since I had, or, you know, or the 15 years or 17 years since I had done a score before the, the work that I had done and where I had come and gotten to as a producer was what informed me being able to tackle this now, you know? Um, Yeah. But yeah, that's why I always take gigs that I find terrifying. Yeah, you know? because it's like uh, you know I gotta I I, I want to be able to sort of push out the walls of what I'm, what I've done, what I'm capable of. And and every little thing you learn something. You learn something about the technique and about um, process. And, that's definitely um, come in handy that came in handy with this one. I don't think that I've, I don't think that if I had been asked to do this film, which was a period piece. So it's not like, you know, Oh, L's just going to make some beats. You know, it's like, yeah. you know, we're, 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 you're trying to make something essentially with synths and with percussion that will work in a, a film that takes place in the 1940s. Yeah, you know? and so yeah. that's like that's a fucking challenge. But
0: that's exciting again. Is and it's what's crazy about that being what was next f- from Josh because you know he made this indie superhero movie that then did. Mm-hmm big-budget numbers, and then he did this big-budget superhero movie that did indie numbers kind of thing. And <laughs> you'd, you'd, you'd think he's then going to go, right, I need to play it safe now. But he's gone, from what I've heard and when they were making it and knowing, like hearing about uh, bringing you you, you you on board and hearing about all the changes and ideas, he's not playing it safe at all. You know, he's, he wanted to go out there and put together a fucking crazy boundary-pushing film rather than, I've got Tom Hardy, I've got Al Capone. That's easy. I can just go. Here's Al Capone's story. Here's Tom Hardy. Right. Give right. me my credibility back. Thank you and right. good But he's gone. No, I don't just want to do that. I want to make it right. this fucking experience.
2: And he knows that motherfuckers are going to be like, oh, you know. I mean, he look. He called it Fonzo. The film. Yeah. The, the 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 distribution company was like, we'll pick it up. But fuck that Fonzo shit. It's Capone. And yeah. then they, you know, and then and then they do the trailer. And it's like Capone. You know. Yeah. And, and then and then. People see the movie and it's like this fucking demented tale of, 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 of a syphilitic Al Capone walking around in an adult diaper, basically losing his mind. And yeah. this is not what people think of when they think of a gangster film. This is not the, yeah. this is, so he knew that the whole time. And, and that's one of the reasons why I really liked it. Cause I was like, this is, this is ballsy. And there are going to yeah. be people who fucking hate this movie and there are going to be people who really, <laughs> really appreciate that this is a a a a, t- a different tone a different you know this is a i think that at the end of the day it's going to be looked back on as something that was really dope and because yeah. um you know what regardless of whether or not it, it it hits you it's beautiful and it is um and and it's fucking weird you know yeah, and th- and th- yeah, and that's yeah, yeah, yeah. the shit that that's that's the shit that i come back to you know yeah. personally you know so that was one of the reasons why i was sort of you know i was proud to be a part of it cuz i knew that this dude was taking a risk and like you said that's not exactly the safe bet that's not yeah. exactly like yeah. oh my, my my career's on the rocks let me let me let me make a movie where al capone is shitting in his bed you know
0: yeah yeah exactly well speaking of coming back to weird shit the first time i saw you live was at a holiday camp by the seaside in England. It was a, a hip hop festival called deadbeat. Right. And it was right. the fucking, the weirdest shit it was right. It was before all tomorrow's parties and all these others had started to do these cool little events in holiday parks. So it was this weird idea of putting a, a load of indie rap and alternative rap acts in a place where the week before it was all kids having their ice cream. Yeah. And it was amazing. Do you have many memories of that? Because again, I I always kept thinking that must have been w- weird for the Americans to be like, "Where the fuck are we? What's what's going on here?"
2: I ended up doing like a bunch of those like weird sort yeah. of like at, at at like a dreary sort of like fucking. It almost felt like a, like they had you know built like a fucking like playground outside of Chernobyl or something. You yeah, know, it was like that's exactly there's, there's the a, feel of them. Yeah, yeah, there's like a dark. There's like a darkness, you know, to the whole thing. You know. Um, and, uh, and, and the weather didn't help and it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, it was like, it's a, it's for families, but if there's like a sandbox and like a weird, like dinosaur sculpture and, and beyond that, it sort of feels like you're in a determined camp, you know? Yeah. And, um, so, but all tomorrow's parties did that a few times, right? Yeah. That, that became, that became like a kind of a, a norm for the, um, some of the stuff that we did in the early two thousands, like that yeah, started man. to pop off. Um, no, I don't really remember, you know, um. I guess if I really sat there, probably if you hypnotized me, I might be able to remember. Yeah, but yeah, I, you could take get flashbacks. I, I, I have a shitty memory, though. To be fair, yeah, like, I really don't fucking remember shit. Like sometimes people will be like, "You don't remember when we went to Japan together?" <laughs> and I'll be like, <laughs> "Uh, you know, I, I know that that should be a memory, but yeah. you know, I or, think I'm or, probably, you
0: know, I'm I'm similar. I was preparing this, and I thought I think it was 2002. I'll start researching it, and then I thought the fuck does it matter if i research it it, it's, it was roughly it right. was early 2000s i don't need to get exact on this shit
2: um like i'm gonna be like uh oh, excuse me if you remember it was yeah. tuesday you know, i'm <laughs> yeah. not gonna you know i don't even exactly. know what year it was yeah but,
0: but but that was it because at that point over here this was kind of pre-social media blowing up pre-easy right. access to music online so over here mm. it felt like company flow and and, oh, and cool. all the stuff that, that led up to this was Right. Was an exciting part of that journey. So, how was that kind of? Because, or I guess initially, what was your route into hip hop and into, into rap, into p- production in those early kind of company flow, r- raucous days and all that kind of thing?
2: Well, I mean, I, by, by the time I was on, you know, raucous or, or even the, the, the company flow EP that we released independently ourselves, um, before raucous, I had been working on, on music since I was I don't know, 13. Yeah, You know, I didn't, I didn't go to, I didn't go to my last two years of high school. I got kicked out of two high schools and I went to, I went to musical engineering school at 16. Amazing. I went, I spent what would have been my, my, my junior and senior year of high school. I got my GED and then I went, went to this school for the, what would have been the last two years of high school because I knew what I wanted to do. So, you know, that was years and years of demos and you know making you know shit on a four track and you know i started producing when i was a kid because i had a boom box that had a dual cassette deck and i was yeah, yeah, i yeah. got i got i got an, an external microphone so i got really good at making tape loops basically yeah pause yeah. pause tapes you yeah, know? yeah 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 um to the point where like I would do it for my friends, you know, I'd make mixes and remixes of songs that they liked and, you know, just fuck around and and then so it just it just progressed from there. I really had been on this path, you know, for, like I'm like if it didn't work out, I was fucked because yeah. I literally I literally failed at doing anything that I didn't want to do. I was just absolutely like yeah, <laughs> obstinate, you know, and um <laughs> so but by, by the time the company flow stuff was the first shit that after years of making music that I felt was like, Oh yeah, this might be presentable to the world, which is a different way to think about music now. You know what I mean? Like at this, this point, you know, people kind of like, you know, you know, you might hear someone's first song tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. That's not the way it used to be. I mean, you couldn't even, there was no mechanism to get up your first song. I mean, I have 50 songs that you'll never hear because I was a kid trying to make, trying to figure out what i what my, how to be a musician. Um, So, you know, the company flow stuff was, was done in, in, we lived in this loft, me and just lived in this loft in Tribeca for, I don't know, two years together. There was like, and there were like. 10 other people that lived in a loft yeah and uh we one of we cartoned off one of the rooms and made it a a studio but it was a closet and (laughs) and um and we recorded we we wrote and recorded a lot of the company early company flow stuff there and we would we were working at tower records mail order department together we both did just was in the was in the room that you were you know had access to computers you had to wear like a like you know some slacks and a shirt and i and they and they and they stuffed me in the back with like the 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 the, like the work release dudes you know um doing like uh you know just packing up cds and sending them out to the mail order because that was how people got cds and just didn't tower records mail order in america and i'm personally probably responsible for like 20% 20% of like the bone thugs and harmonies CDs getting sent out, <laughs> you know, to the world. And during this whole time, we would, we would work and we would, we would take our money and we would go uh, at night. We would record. So it was this sort of slow process of being like, Oh shit, we're, this is dope. We're on to something here. And, um, we just started collecting songs with the idea that, well, we'll get a deal. We'll get a major deal or we'll do something. We'll go to a label and we'll get a demo deal, maybe, you know, something, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And, um, and we just dawned on us that, that like, you know, you didn't have to just put one song. We were, the thought was we'll, we'll do a single and we'll put it out. And then, uh, and then that'll get us a deal. And then I think it was like literally like last minute decision. Like, wait a second. We could put like eight songs on this piece of vinyl. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, why don't yeah. we just do that? And that's what we did. And then we, and then we illegally, you know, we, we, we used Tower Records mail order to send it out all over America, you know, <laughs> next day delivery. <laughs> You know but you know he all he had to do was was punch a couple of numbers in, in in the one room and then i had to wrap it up in the next room and send it out and we just we just dis- I love it disseminated our fucking like little underground fucking music um and, you know you're a dj in florida like and 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 we met you at, at some stupid gavin fucking festival not festival but like whatever you know they used to have these things that you would go to and, and yeah. everyone would get together and you'd hand out your demos and stuff you were getting that shit like next day. Next day air, you know? Um, Love that shit. That ultimately turned into us um, getting a distribution deal with Fat Beats, um, <laughs> who was a fledgling company at the time, but we're... Were people who really already supported us through the record store, and and that ended up blowing up. You know, we sold you know probably a hundred thousand copies on our own. It was unheard of. No one had ever yeah. done that. It was it was independent. It was all it all blew up through word of mouth. You know, it was like we made our name going up to Stretch and Bobito and freestyling and 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 them playing the music and then playing the demos and and so it kind of just started from there, man. Was there
0: ever a point where you wrestled with if you were going to be on the mic or on the production
2: No. Oh. did
0: you feel at any point that you had to choose or was it always like no 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 I can I got this I got this all covered
2: the only reason I ever became a producer is because I wanted to be a rapper yeah so I was never it was never a choice for me it was literally just because I didn't know anybody who made music so yeah. and, and I wanted and I wanted to make music um and I wanted to rap over my music so yeah now it was always the same thing for me it was it was always in service of of, of that um my father was a musician and piano player, and so it was something that I was like, you know, that was from the beginning. It was like, no, I'm I'm trying to make fucking beats for me to rap over, and that was yeah. that so. Both of those things um, gelled at the same time, and um, Company Flow was the first album that I did, which was like me producing front to back, and but no, uh-uh.
0: I love that because I I love when things are born of of necessity,
2: like like because
0: yeah. because. Your production, to to fast forward a, a, a little bit, we had, like, One Tower Records over here in London, and that's where we'd go to get, like, the rap impulse. And I remember when Def Juck stuff started to be stocked and be available, and the production, I mean, a Cannibal Ox, The Cold Vein, was, like, the, the iconic sound of that era. And sure. so much of that era sound was... Down to your production, so it's kind of mad to know that mm-hmm. the production side came as a byproduct of you needing to 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 have, have something to wrap over. So, yeah. how was that when you started Def Jux and started to produce and started to get a name as a producer? I guess
2: it was interesting. It was cool, um, and it was also like a nice break for me. You know, the Cannibal Ox thing was the first was the first time that I stepped to anybody and said, "Let me let me do a record for you." It's not yeah. about me; it's about you and that was the first record for someone else that I produced front to back. And until then I had only had the two records, the, the fun crusher plus company flow album and, and little Johnny from the hospital, which me yeah. and Len produce. Yeah. And then, yeah, then I, then, and, and a lot of that deaf jerk stuff was my sound. It was yeah. all, it was, it was me producing for, for, for cats. And then it started to expand and we started to, cause we had this record label and you know I couldn't do everything. But, uh, a lot of that early defining stuff that people think of as deaf jerks is, yeah, it's, it, it was sort of me, you know, Company Flow broke up and I was like kind of trying to figure out what my next move was. And I was a bit exhausted. I couldn't really imagine going into a solo album at the time. I didn't really want to. I I, I was kinda heartbroken that that this group that we had that was yeah. like popping the fuck off was was dead now, you know? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so Cannibal Ox was was the first one where I was like Fuck it. I'm, I'm gonna, I, I wanna make music, but I just don't know what I wanna say yet. I don't know if I'm gonna make my music right now. Yeah. Um, so it gave me a great sort of, there was the first record where I really sort of inhabited the role of being a producer for someone else. Yeah. And, um, and that was great. And it was, and, and, um, you know, I did a lot more of that, obviously. Um, so it was a way for me to sort of express myself. While I was trying to figure out what my personal statement or what my next move as an artist was going to be, and then eventually I did fantastic damage. But it was it was it was interesting then because after a while you started it, because there was a lot of time between me doing my music. There was a whole new group of people who really started to only know me through that through yeah. the production. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. So whereas when I first came out, it was like, oh, this dude's an ill MC, and and it was like, yeah, I'm the best. And then it was like. <laughs> This dude's a great producer, and I'm like, yeah, I'm a, but I'm also, you know, like I'm this a, as well. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> you know, it's been this, like, it's been this, it's been this wave, and 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 I was, you know, I never really thought about it or looked up from it, but it was, but it was definitely, I nice. saw that you saw for the first time. I had a few years under my belt, and I was like, oh, I get it. There's a bunch of people here who didn't know actually company flowy, you know, and yeah, that was yeah, 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 three years ago. You well, know? that was so, it. Um, I had. I had-
0: Fantastic damage and and cold vein and all this kind of thing way before I then went back and found Company Flow again. Right. Obviously in the UK it's slightly different because you've not got as much control over what you can be exposed to. You've got mm-hmm. a, a really dig for it. So so how was that then? Because because a, a fantastic damage was again hugely respected instantly. But equally, I know a lot of like I know the Dan Lassac, the guy who I worked with for years, his production was hugely influenced by Fantastic Damage so did you find that people were focusing a lot on the production of it because you'd you'd now become known as this producer rather than than where as you said previously you were like no I'm an MC but the production happens to be part of it
2: I don't remember feeling that way um I I don't I don't I don't remember that I was happy to be doing what I love you know um and 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 that record Fantastic Damage was the first time that I had like all right, okay. I guess I'm a solo artist now. I'm yeah, gonna, it's time. It's time for me to. It's time for me to try. It's time yeah. for me to, to 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 not have that crutch of somebody else there and not have that safety net. You know, this is whatever happens now. It's my fault completely. You know what yeah. I mean? Like whatever happens, whatever the result is, be it, be it positive or negative, I gotta. I have to shoulder that. You know, it was um really well received. It did really it did really well, but it was also real I think it, it, it sort of it was the beginning of the rest of my life, you know, in a lot yeah. of ways, artistically, those records are always for me personally, you know, fantastic damage and, and I'll sleep in your dead. And and then, you know, and cancer for cure, and yeah. you know, the, and they're those, all being those... reissued at the
0: moment, right? You, mm-hmm, j- mm-hmm. Just to get them, They're all having their kind of reissue time and, and getting yeah, yeah. a new focus on them.
2: Yeah. Because I let the, I let it, I let it drift away. You know, yeah. I'm a, I'm a terrible, I'm a terrible keeper of my own history. Um yeah. I think that that's a result of, of just always being focused on whatever the next thing was and not really giving a shit about my past, not really thinking about my past. And I thought about this and I think that that's the result of being, I think that people who are in like broken homes that have like yeah. weird childhoods, I think that when you have a little bit of a weird childhood, a little bit of a tough one, you tend to focus, you tend to be very driven, but you also tend to not really think about the past much. And I think that that translated into the way that I was treating my own music too. I never wanted to, I never cared I wanted to be known for the last thing I did. I wanted to be known for the next thing I was doing. Yeah. And, um, one day I woke up and realized that there's a whole generation of people that didn't have access to these records. And, um, if it was up to, if it was like left up to me, I probably would have just let it just fucking drift off into the ether <laughs> and just, you know, like, ah, fuck it. Don't worry about it. Here's Run the Jewels, you know? Yeah. Um. And, uh, Fat Possum and Matthew Johnson and Fat Possum were the ones that convinced me and wrote a check to me for, <laughs> to do it. Yeah. And, um, and I was like, all right, fine. Yeah. I guess, I guess that's good. I guess it's good to have this stuff out. I, 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 don't listen to it anymore. You know, I don't, I don't really think about it or listen to it anymore. Like just listening to Fantastic Damage was, you know, is something that I haven't even done in, in a decade until, yeah. until I dropped it again.
0: I had that recently. I had to, I, I, I re-released my, or or for the first time released my first early record on vinyl and because of that because it's my label I had to I had to listen to test presses to right, sure it sounds right. good and it was uncomfortable listening man because again I'm exactly yeah, the same yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm I'm not into my old shit I'm kind of it's it's I can it was good to hear bits of it I was like oh that's cool but it's always about what you're doing next and what the next thing is and it's yeah. it's a weird one because you're aware that pretty much everyone else who's heard of LP Has probably listened to that record more than LP has in the last ten years, for example. (laughs) Obviously, producing it, you might have gone back and forth a lot because that's. But on my side, because I was all lyrics, I'd hand it over, and Dan would be spending hours listening over and over again. There is literally everyone who's into any of my music has all everyone's heard it far more than I have. Because
2: yeah, totally. Yeah, and and you know, I you know, if you are in a if you are in a place where like you you're you think. I, you know, there's ups and downs to that, you know, but, but the truth of the matter is, is that, yeah, I cringe when I listen to this shit. Not because I don't understand, I have to be very forgiving with myself because I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm a perfectionist and I, and I always feel like I'm, I'm getting better, I'm growing, I'm always in, my mind is always in it, you know, and, um, Constantly working to just be just, I don't feel like I've reached where I, where I will be. You know, I think that, I think that music is this evolving journey and you're always kind of getting closer to being able to, to, to say what you want. The, The translation between what you're imagining in your head versus what actually gets done, gets a little bit. Closer and a little bit closer, and your skill set changes. And so I listen to this shit, and I I almost can't even get into the frame of mind as to what I was thinking about, you know, patterns and cadence and lyrics, and and I have to really like just let it wash over me and just appreciate it for a moment. And that's just it's hard for me. I I'm, I'm not like a particularly self celebratory personality you know i'm 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 more of a self-critical personality when it comes to music you know i i drive motherfuckers crazy when we're working on projects because i'm just like i'm the first in the studio and i'm the last out the studio because i'm you know this is this is it for me this is my life this is this is obsession essentially so obsession and um (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, no, but it's been interesting. It's been interesting. It's been cool, and 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 also knowing that yeah, none of this shit was on any streaming services, and so that yeah. means that it basically didn't exist.
0: I mean, but s- speaking of of of, of, l- of l- lyrics, and and I'll happily s- celebrate you as you're not comfortable self celebration. But um, I remember when me and Dan Lassac supported you in Dingwalls in Camden. It was on the "I'll, I'll Sleep I'll, I'll When yeah. You're Dead" tour, and the record had just come out, and I was crazy excited about it because that on that record you would written one of my top oh fuck I wish I'd written that lyrics um of just um I might have been born yesterday sir but I stayed up all night and it's just it's so simple it's finding those simple things but just makes you go fuck that's the the, that feels like it's been on the tip of my tongue forever and then you hear it it's like right I love that so so how did you find touring? Yeah. Was that a, a, something that you enjoyed in in the so in the headline solo tour days? I'll get to run the oh. jewels later, but at that point where it's all on your shoulders, mm. but equally all the praises on your on on your face as well, I guess. You
2: know, I think that the All Sleeping Your Dead tour was probably as a solo artist my favorite sort of performance that we that we had done yeah. you know in terms of there was conceptual you know um and you know it really felt like um finally i had music that was you know i had worked to kind of create music that wasn't just you know my whole my whole artistic sort of scope in being a lyricist or being a, being someone who makes songs has been to cut away the fat, you know, Mm. to get to try and work towards getting to something that was a little bit um, more elegant, you know, every time. And yeah, and and I look at it, you know, and I look at my my catalog and it's like, all right, well, fucking company flow was like 79 minutes long or something because it was just (laughs) literally everything we had first album we wanted everything that we thought and said and did out there we just it had to be that yeah and then you know and then fantastic damage was like you know 70 minutes long and then as you see the records that get shorter and shorter and shorter i'll sleep in your dead was you know under an hour or something and um maybe for the first time it was under an hour and I, that was the first time that I had done music where I felt like I could perform it as a musician and not just a guy just spitting like a thousand words at you, you know, yeah. every, every, every minute. And, and it just, it created a different type of performance and it had a different type of scope musically. And so I really loved doing those records and that tour was great. I know it was hard too. I mean, you know, still doing. You know, ma- you know, a good, a great fucking night for us was six hundred to a thousand people. You know, that was yeah. like holy yeah, 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 sh- victory. Yeah. You know, pure victory. Yeah, plenty, plenty of other fucking nights on that tour. You know, going through Europe or whatever. You're in, you're in some weird town in France and like Thanksgiving. You know, and and you know, there's like fifty people in a giant hall. You know, what I mean? like yeah, it, like I, like I, you know, I went through the gamut, man. It, it was my whole career was. It was great, very lucky to, to have people pay attention, but it was, but the grind was always there. It was always like, I don't know, we're making tough music that, you know, to, you know, uh, abrasive even to some degree that doesn't have much exposure. And yeah. so you're, you're on that, that tour grind where it's just like some days it's, you feel like a God. And then some days you're like, wow, I'm, I'm not shit. I'm really, I'm really not shit. And you, you know that feeling. And it's Com- like, completely. um,
0: completely. I'm on, on our last tour. We'd have nights that were two, three thousand people, and we had one night in Italy that was twelve people, like literally twelve <laughs> sold tickets. And I don't think yeah. there was any comps either. I think it was literally the right. full twelve, and it was yeah. yeah. But it's, again, it keeps you grounded mm. as well, right? If if, if you've got oh, the yeah. right outlook on it all, it makes you go, all right. Well, we're not going to have a whole tour of screaming fans and adoration. We're going to have a little bit of, of, of remembering where you come from.
2: Or a lot, you know, um, you know, or, 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 or an equal helping, you know, um, you know, so, and, and those, and those years were very, were very, um, were fun and great. And they were, and they were, and, and I took, and I, and I look at them as being part of like building up my ability to, I mean, shit, by the time we got to the point with the run the jewel shit, where we're doing 10,000 people, 12,000 people a night, I had been in every fucking situation. I had been like my humility was an, was it, was an active part of my personality, yeah, like yeah, yeah. full on, you know? So, you know, I, I, I joked that like success really came in a big way for me. Like, like after I got the chance to be an asshole about it, you know, like I, like I, like I kind of got cheated out of that, you know, like I never really yeah. got to be like, I never really got to be too egotistical because, because, uh, you know, by the time it was like, Oh, you guys are fucking, you blew up. And then it was like, too late i'm already fucking 35 you know yeah, like it's yeah my personality is already formed I, I don't get to be the you know i don't get to 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 be that dude it
0: can't it can't go to my head i've already filled my head my head knows yeah. where it is now you can't yeah you can't trust, add to it. trust
2: me yeah i would yeah. love it to, i would love it to go to my head yeah <laughs> i but, love um, that yeah but there's but you know that that you know I, I believe that that's like in the touring in the touring community you know motherfuckers you know when, when they can handle shit, you know, you know, we're, we're professionals. So we, we look at shit differently. When we see other acts on stage, yeah. it's like a stand up comedian watching another stand up comedian. Yeah. You're not, you're not as so much listening to what they are, seeing what they are doing. You're peeping what they're not doing or you're peeping what they do in an emergency, you know, yeah, like, yeah, 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 what yeah. do you, what do you do when someone heckles you? How do you react? What do you do when the sound sucks? How do you react? What do you do when there's no one fucking there? Do you not perform the way that you would normally perform, or do you say, fuck it, I'm going all out, and this is gonna be the best performance that twelve people have ever seen, you know? Um separates the men from the boys. But, you know, all all of this just to say that those are incredibly important years and they were such a huge part of my life and and, um so by the when by the time that we got to the place where it had gotten much bigger, it didn't really change the way that we performed. It didn't really change the way that we we had already, you know, individually been, you know, when, even when Run the started, man, we were doing maybe 500 people a night. And, yeah. you know, it was, it was a good night. 500 people was like, killed it. Sold out this small club, you know, and that's the shit. But it wasn't always sold out. It was like, you're counting tickets to the, you know, to, to the fucking, you know, to the very end. Yeah. Um, by the time it changed for us, we, um, didn't matter because we were already fucking going as hard as we could possibly go during yeah. the show. So.
0: I love that. So, 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 so let's let's kind of go back t- to the start of of, of Run the Jewels, because I really early on in Run the Jewels, like when the first Run the Jewels had come out, I had had you and Mike on my on my old radio show um, right. in the UK, and the reason I was early on that curve was because y- your production on Mike's r- rap music album was just it's. I feel it's one of the classic rap tracks, and particularly the title track, I think, is one of the classic synergies of a producer and a rapper, just getting on the same page, knowing where they're going, not being just, here's a beat and someone's rapping over it, and not being, here's a producer who's getting in the way of the vocalist, you know, that happens as well in production at times, it can be too much of a battle and a competition, it felt like it all came together perfectly, So, so how was it working on that album, and was it that kind of seemingly natural synergy that made you go well we need to be doing this as a thing why is this not a thing
2: <laughs> right right yeah i mean it was it was that natural um yeah. and it was really humble i mean mike came to brooklyn and we were just worked in my i had a room in my apartment that was set up and we would we just worked there um and it was and it was really easy and it was and mike was you know really trusting of me which is a big deal for a producer you know you can you can do stuff with people and you can dedicate your time to people but but there there are certain people that like mike told me like i want to be produced i want i I need someone who's going to give a shit and who's going to tell me like why don't you do this why don't you do this so it was very much like we're working the songs out together and i love that um,
0: because particularly in in indie rap or any alternative rap Someone to be able to rein people in, because as you stated earlier, at points it's here's fucking eighteen bars where no one's taking a breath, and it's a lot to take in as a listener, and it's it's great as an MC because you're saying here's everything I can do, here's all my stuff. Whereas at points, if you can have someone who will go, let's maybe ease off there, or let's take a breather mm-hmm. there, let's pause, and mm-hmm. uh, uh, let's give them a chance to pause or give them a chance to dance or whatever else rather than sure.
2: here's
0: my here's my lyrics take them in right
2: right and 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 you know by that time i had i had some experience under my belt and i i, I was ready for i i you know i wasn't really let me correct myself i didn't think that i wanted to go in and produce an album with I didn't think I wanted to do that for anybody. Yeah. I had just gotten out of the whole Def Chicks thing and I was kind of like getting back on my feet. I had signed a deal to do another solo record and that allowed me to get an apartment and like, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. I had, I had, I was, I was fighting my way back to music again because the Def Chicks thing was something that, you know, it was, it was, it was great in a lot of ways, but in a lot of ways personally, it was destructive because I had taken on responsibilities that ultimately I wasn't being, I wasn't happy and I wasn't making music. I wasn't making enough music. I was, I was, and so I had kind of been like, all right, I'm make, I'm going to like focus on myself. I'm going to make, you know, I'm going to do this and, and be unencumbered by responsibility to anybody else right now. Um, and then Mike came along and that just was (laughs) undeniably, you know, it was just undeniably dope. And I was just like, all right, fuck it. And so we, we went in, um, and I don't think it was at that point that we were like, we should do something like Run the Jewels. But I think that more so it was, I love this dude. This is fun. We're getting amazing results out of our collaboration here. And then, you know, I invited him to be on my album. I was on the rap, the rap music album. Yeah. Those albums came out and basically a week apart. We went on tour together for the separate albums. Yeah. Um, and, um, when we came off that tour, I was, you know, it was, it was sort of like, well, what are you going to do? And I was like, well, I'm going to, I'm, I, I'm going to go make a bunch of beats and probably like release like a free mixtape or something. Like I want to do like a, I just want to do something. I don't know. I don't want to, I don't want to commit to any label or anything. I don't want to commit to anything. I just want to go away, find some studio out of the city and go s- with no pressure and just make some shit. Mm. Take, mush- take mushrooms and make some shit. And, yeah. um, and uh, Mike was like, I'll, I'll, I'll come. And I was like, oh, yeah, sure. Come come on. You know, a couple of jams. Like, sure, come through. That turned into Running Jewels. That turned into two weeks of dudes on mushrooms, you know, trying to make each other laugh and just do dope music with no idea of whatever that was going to be. No, no clue. And, mm-hmm. and just sort of, it was going to be an EP, you know, it was going to be like six songs we had and we, that we got to six songs. And then it was like, you know, a couple of our friends were like, you guys got to make this shit an album. And we were like, oh, yeah, I guess we kind of do, huh? We're only about four songs away from an album. I guess we should just, you know, and that's how it happened. So it really wasn't something that we planned. It just kind of, it, it just kind of happened. But that was all based off of that collaboration. That was all based mm-hmm. off of the fact that we had just had two years of just of, of touring and working together, yeah. and it was fun.
0: It's, it's beautiful because it seems so natural and unplanned, but then equally, no, no one could have planned it better. The the way it dropped, <laughs> the reaction, the the hands, like the logo, all all this stuff, yeah. all, the the name, everything. It all felt like it was this perfect storm. But it was a perfect storm that happened naturally. It wasn't a perfect storm that happened in an A and R room. It wasn't someone saying, y- "You know who we should put together? No. Killer Mike and LP, and we'll put them together well, and it will well, have this and that."
2: Well, actually, to some degree, it kind of was because oh, really? we shared a f- well, just only to the degree that so Mike had signed a, um, a a deal to do a record with our with our mutual friend Jason Tomarco, who's a right. guy up at adult, who does Adult Swim, yeah. and he was he did he was doing all the music for Adult Swim and all the placement of music right. and all this stuff. So we had individually worked with him together a lot and I had worked with him for years and, you know, um, did different stuff. We did the Deaf Swim compilation. Um, yeah. I, I gave him a bunch of beats for cartoons and stuff and he had worked with Mike and put Mike in it. So it kind of was Jason being like, to to Mike, cause Mike was like, I want to make America, my America's most wanted. And, and, and Jay was like, well, if you want the dude who's, the modern bomb squad guy, you know, like you should fucking talk to my friend LP and I you should get that. in the studio with him. So it was slightly like yeah. that in a sense that, you know, technically he was kind of the A&R for that project. So, yeah. but it was a friendship. You know, the, the truth is, is that we were all friends and, and, and Jay knew that me and him would get along and that was really what it was. And, But yeah, there was no grand fucking plan. That's for sure. I mean, I, when I, when I, when I was first starting to work with Mike, I, I was like, I'll do two songs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was my, that was my, (laughs) that was my my limit. I was like, look, I don't have any room in my life for fucking, fucking art, other artists and fucking new friends and all that shit. Like, get the fuck away from me, but I think you're dope. So, you know, I'll do a couple of jams and you're friends with Jay and I'm friends with Jay. So, hey, cool. And of course that, 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 that whole, that whole thing fell apart quickly
0: i love the beautiful r- reluctance of all of it that you were only going to produce a oh, yeah. couple songs and then, then when it comes to run the jewels you're like yeah you can come along you can jump on a track or two and yeah. then it's like oh no it's a whole thing like,
2: yeah i mean that, you it. know run the jewels <laughs> run the jewels has never been a thinking man's operation i'll be honest with you it's always been just like based on vibe it's always been like you know even i remember the second run the jewels record we did it was literally like want to do another one or should yeah. we do another one? You know, it was like that it was like that literally. And um and um you know, since then after that it was just like oh yeah, this is what we do, you know. I love this it. Is, yeah, yeah, yeah. It yeah. was never a question.
0: So uh, so how was that when that first record d- dropped and you it became undeniable that it was a it was a thing. It was a big thing. The reaction was huge. And then also the kind of the balance of being the hot new thing Whilst also being kind of elder statesman of 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 the community of the industry, it's it was a a weird thing that so far into your career you have yeah the the biggest like most people will think that like I'm sure at that point when you were p- producing Mike's album you'd be excited about what's ahead but you'll also know that there's certain things that were probably going to be some of the biggest things have happened you know you've had the had the Def Jux moments and all this and then all of a sudden everything is eclipsed in many ways.
2: I'm lucky to have been and, and, and you know, to have, a, you know, a few moments and to keep going. Um, and I don't think that we expected this at all. We know yeah. no, we didn't. Expected it at all and it was surreal because what you started to realize was that your new music was 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 being put out there and getting this huge response to a generation of people who literally had no idea who we were and yeah. no idea bef- what what that we existed before run the jewels i mean and we saw that shit in our shows like when we did that tour together for the first run the jewels album we didn't even have confidence enough in run the jewels to think that run the jewels could just do a show by themselves yeah so mike would get up and do a solo killer mike set i would get up and do a solo really? lp set because because that was the draw right yeah. and, and we knew and and then we'd walk off and we'd come back five minutes later and do a run the jewel set and that was when the room exploded yeah and and we had our fans for we had our fans with each of our stuff but then there was a whole new group of kids and they were like patiently waiting for run the jewels to come out it was almost as though like they didn't know that it was the same fucking dudes like don't use like we we didn't even change our clothing like we're the same guys and they just didn't know the music until run the jewels and so that first record was when it's we started to dawn on us and then people started doing this and we were like wow this is this is kind of got something here this is special and um the reaction is crazy so it was weird for us like you said we we've been around forever but all of a sudden that wasn't what it was all of a sudden we were the hot new kid on the block and you know which is ironic when you're 35 you know (laughs) and um and uh you know 36 or whatever and um so it's been crazy and it's been amazing and and you know i think that we're almost like fucking like astronauts man like you know i think that me and mike are to some degree in uncharted territory and um that being said we've been Humbled and blown away the, the entire time. I mean, you're not going to meet two guys who are who are more aware of how lucky that that is. You know, yeah. like we we don't take the shit for granted at all. And um, if it were to all to go go away tomorrow, it would still have been fucking amazing and this amazing like journey and. But we're fighting for it to, to not go away because you know, when you get something that's joyful and when you get something that's allows you to connect to people and like, you know, um, you fucking fight for that shit. So we fight for it in the in the music. We fight for making the best music that we've ever made. Every time we get in, it's like, No, I don't want to fall off. I know that everyone wants thinks we're gonna fall off. Yeah, I don't yeah, I like yeah, yeah. No. No, we're not. We're not gonna do it. Yeah, um, go in there. And, and if we do do it, it's our fucking fault, you know. Yeah. If we do do it, it's our fucking fault.
0: You so. you you mentioned you know a reluctance initially, kind of on a no new friends type thing. I've got to this point in my career, I'm not I'm not looking for new new rappers, new new partnerships. I need to kind of preface this because I remembered again, I've got a story that I've not really told anyone. I don't think, but on my solo record, I had a track called Intradiction where tra- a Travis Barker played the drums on it.
2: Oh shit. Sure. So cool.
0: so after that I was working on a next a next solo record and I was in the studio with Travis in his studio and the idea that we had was I would play him stuff in his headphones and he would play along but play anything other than the beat that's there. And two of the right. and two of the tracks i played to him or or one was a Run the Jewels album and one was off the off off rap music. So, so it was so. then dope to then see a couple of months or a few months later to see on Instagram, or whatever you guys are in the studio working on run and run the jewels too. So, yeah. how was it to get to work with people like Travis and Zach Delarocca and Josh Hom? All these people who aren't g- g- going to have been the natural indie rap collaborators, if you know what I mean. All these people who are from yeah. d- different worlds and can, can bring something different, can bring a different yes. experience, I guess. How was how has that been to have run the jewels open that up in some
2: respect? it's been it's been great i mean look you know these are all sort of relationships that come from either me or or mike and these are these are but like everyone that we work with is a fan we're fans of they're a fan of ours um but you know i've i've been lucky enough that my music the way that i think you know the way that i do shit our music um appeals to you know, look, man, you know, you talk about someone like, you know, Zach DeLarroca or Travis Barker, those dudes are hip-hop heads. Like, those dudes are full-on 100% 100 hip-hop fans, period. Like, that's And, and you know, and we're fucking, we're rock fans, you know, and, and, um, so I love, I delight as a producer, um, being able to pull people out of their world and and combine them in ways that aren't necessarily expected. You know, I mean, I've been lucky enough to work with a lot of people from a lot of different genres that I admire and listen to their music, even going back to like, you know, the solo records when I was, you know, brought in like Mars Volta and Trent Reznor and, and, you know, Cat Power and, and. To me, that's always my twisted little, like, joy and playground of like, well, what if I put these fucking two people together? Like, that would be insane. How could, you know, how could you make that work? But, of course, the other thing is is that it only is insane to people who have never heard it before. It's not insane to musicians. Yeah. It's not crazy. It's not crazy that uh, one of the nastiest drummers in the world would drum on a on on a, on a piece of music from a genre that he is in love with. Yeah. You know, So yeah, yeah. it's just, I think it's just a matter of these relationships, and we just have have cleared the cleared the path and just been like, "Come on in!" Like, and all these collaborations are all sort of due to friendships and 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 who's around and kind of like you know, um, it's all been organic. It's not been. It's it's very rarely has it been us sort of cold calling or reaching out to people that we don't yeah. have a connection to. Mavis Staples, even, we had a connection to because Mavis had reached out to Mike years ago amazing. To, as a fan of, based on rap music, I think. And yeah. um, so really, there's no one that we've worked with, um, you know, Hami, I'm friends with, um, you know, Zach, I've been friends with for 20 years. Um, yeah. You know, Boo was Mike's friend. And now it's like one of my friend closest friends and, and uh, you know, just such a fucking amazing person. Everybody who's involved in the record are just people in our lives that we, you know, you um, know that we love and respect and, and in, in some way. And, you know, 2 Chains is, 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 is is Mike's dude from Atlanta, but 2 Chains is like a huge run the jewels fan. You know, he like let it be known. He was like, he was, and he, and and according to Mike, a huge LP fan, which I was like, Oh shit, shit. you know, white, you know, I think the quote is white boy can rap. Um, And I was, (laughs) and, and, you know, and, you know, so he was like, Hey, if you want to do something, let me know. And, you know, so it's all sort of like, It's all in service to the sound. It's all in service to the song. None of it is really, none of it is really, um, has ever really been get the person and then decide what to do. It's always been we're doing something and, and, and then let's, let's, you can sort of hear someone else be involved. I love doing that because it mixes it up the results. You don't know what's going to happen, you know? Yeah. And that's why, that's like, that's, that's like, that's what Run the Jewels is too. Every single song we do, we just cannot control or predict what the other guy's going to say. Yeah. So we, so it's, it's just everything. All the results are a surprise every time. You're like, oh shit, I don't know.
0: Yeah. I, I, I love that. Throughout your whole career, it's felt like you've approached, a rap career or a a career in, in, in rap, obviously including the production ethic, like a good DJ. Because a good DJ at a good hip hop club or whatever will bring you the shit that you want, but then also throw in that one thing that you're like, oh, what? I, I don't know what this is. Like, where's this come from? And that's what it always feels with a Mars Volta coming in there or, or whomever else. And as I said, on the Run the Jewels records, every time I'd look at the who's on the upcoming album, there'd be a couple of names that I'm like, oh, yeah that's my shit but there'd still be a couple that I'm like I don't know who that is I'm gonna I'm gonna find something new here I'm gonna uh, learn something new so yeah has that been a conscious thing as said to kind of as soon as you realize that you were making people music that people are gonna hear to serve them a bit of what they want and then a bit of what you want in the mix if you know what I mean
2: I'm pretty much just focused on serving what I want. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> but, but I stay grounded because I'm such a fucking fan of music. You yeah. know what I mean? So I, th- I think the trick is just trusting that you're the biggest fan of music in the world. And yeah. so, you know, trusting that you have taste, trusting that, um, whatever you do present to people, it's going to, it's going to be tasteful and it's going to be respectful. And, and, but I do believe that you have to keep the audience out of it to some degree if you yeah. if, if you're obsessed and, and and a fan of music then that's enough you are the audience you know you just yeah. have to remember that and you have to trust that um i think that people get into deep fucking trouble when they start thinking what do what do they want yeah. <laughs> you know because because then you start questioning your own gut instincts about music um and and you know so i never i i, I you know we want the song to be dope. That's about yeah. it for that that's what we, that's the deference that we pay to the audience. Like yeah, we know yeah. that this needs to be great. And, uh and the rest of it is just sort of like, you know, um, I'm getting the chance to create my own little world here. So, you know, I can't, you know, I, I'm going to take that chance. And I just, and the only criteria is don't fuck it up. You know, look there, there are, the truth of the matter is, is that it takes a certain level of taste to even do these types of collaborations and not have them be, fucking corny you know like you you know you could you could list you know 90% of rap rock collaborations you know uh, are traditionally traditionally completely misguided and 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 everybody taking like their the worst elements or the most or, or the most basic elements of what they think the other person wants to do or hear or whatever it is and everyone's confused and they're trying you know I don't know you know hey i feel you that I that's f- just that's just the truth yes. that's just the truth I completely and you know i uh, feel you the track i worked on or oh, the track
0: i had Travis drumming on was produced by Danny Lona um of 9 inch nails and all sorts of other stuff and he would get so annoyed every time he'd send me a new beat and i'd come back going it's new metal man it's new metal if i rap over this it's new metal i don't want to make a new metal record it's i i get where you're going i get your a metal guy who's trying to go rap don't L- let me do, cover do, the rap do, part of it you do you your do. part of it
2: yeah exactly and and i think and i think that that's really the key and and that's the discipline right as a yeah. producer and someone who who like likes melding genres you know you yeah, have yeah. to um it's taste, man. You have to just fucking walk that line. It's very,
0: was your discipline important on the, on the second run, the jewels album because of that, not wanting or knowing that you can't focus on trying to serve the audience, trying to go, Oh, well, they loved that. I need to give them more of that. But as I said, as it happened, so huge, you know, and unexpectedly from what you've said that you guys were just making a record. And then all of a sudden bang, was that the biggest test of kind of going, right? Well, fuck, That it's got big, fuck what they might want, fuck fuck what I might expect. What I've always done is make what I want to make and what we want to make. And yeah, was that easy to focus on, I guess?
2: Run the Jewels 2 was the first time we felt any pressure, but there wasn't pressure, external pressure. It was more like we knew that if we were going to continue to do this and make this a real thing, Mm. then we couldn't just make the same album. Yeah. That, that we had to, we had to, we had to put a little bit more heart into the next one. You know, the first one was like a palate cleanser. Me and Mike can get very serious on our solo up records. And yeah. it, this, the first one was mostly just a good time. And, and, and the second one, the, old, like I said, the pressure is not to do something that matches up to an external expectation, but, but simply to commit to giving it more, giving it, giving it, making it real by not making it a gimmick by, by saying, no, actually, there's more. There's more to say. There's more to do. There's different ways to do it. Like we're learning each other and how to, and how to make songs together. And and our friendship is developing as it's happening. And, um, and so you're, you know, if we're going to honor that and, um, you know, run the jewels two is a very different record than run the jewels one. It, 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 it has elements. Of, of, of course, that follow through of what we, of what we established in the first one. There's the humor is there, you know, um, but we delved in a different water, you know, we, 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 um, I don't think that's an expression, no, delving no. in the water. Uh, but, but yeah, you know, we, we, and, and that's kind of every time that's kind of what we try to do. And, and, you know, by the time we get to run the jewels for, a lot of you know even some of the stuff that maybe people had started getting used to us doing was was a little i think was was just naturally left left on the floor yeah. you know what i mean like you know um you know i didn't make any dick jokes on this record
0: yeah <laughs> yeah yeah
2: that 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 wasn't what the vibe was that wasn't you know that would have been bullshit you know yeah. um and i think that that's all i'm saying is like you know as an artist, you know, your only real requirement is that you're, you're, you are honoring yourself and you're not full of shit. You have to honor the, the net. You have to be able to walk away from yourself, man, and walk mm-hmm. towards something. And you have to be okay with that. Don't, you know, and again, it goes back to the, maybe the personality type of someone who doesn't think about their past, you yeah. know? Um, but when you're talking to a guy who's in his, like, third or fourth incarnation in his career and you know you can't convince me that taking those risks aren't worth it you know Um, yeah
0: and that's what i was going to say you you may not think about your past but you've lived it so the 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 difficult second album is in fact your 10th album or whatever and and, and it's the third album you've done with mike already so cumulatively it's probably your 20th album or some shit so yeah that pressures up i guess it
2: makes sense i mean yeah, it's off in the sense that you're, you know, also to the, to the degree that you're just like, man, I'm living on fucking borrowed time in this shit anyway. You know, like, <laughs> what does it matter? You know, fuck it. Like, you know, we're, we're just going to go all out. We're coming out swinging, you know, and, 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 uh, and if it's time for us to fucking fade away, walk into the woods and, you know, just never be heard from again, head slumped between our shoulders, you know, um, <laughs>
0: so be it
2: you know a, a, a little a little commemorative statue you know in the in the village square maybe but but you know
0: then fuck that's it. just a so hands be it.
2: a statue that's just the hands <laughs> just, just, thrown out. just the hands just <laughs> the hands but just sort of sunken into the ground you know yeah. um you know and fuck it man you know uh, it is what it is though the what what i won't do is go out like a fucking sucker what i won't do is go out like yeah, I, just, I, got, I got I desperately wanted to cling on to whatever was happening, and so I, I lost the fact that the thing that got me here in the first place was not giving a fuck.
0: Yeah. So to, to kind of wrap things up, as we've been, been going a while now, I've had plenty of your time. Um, I mean, l- looking back now, it's a blessing that you didn't try and force a dick joke on to, on, on to run the jewels 4, because by the time it came out, you released it early and for free – because of everything that was going on in the world and it was it was bizarre it felt like it had written it'd been written in reaction to what was going on in the world I guess that's a testament to how little things have changed and how this isn't a new movement it's the culmination of many years but how's that been because releasing a record in these times would obviously be weird anyway but releasing a record that relates to them so much is a whole different ball game
2: yeah, it's been a little surreal, not going to lie. I mean, like you said, it, it, was, it sounds like it was written as a reaction. That the difference is it was written as a reaction to, the, to history. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and unfortunately, history keeps repeating itself. There's, there's no goddamn good reason why um, Mike quoting Eric Garner should apply directly to someone in 2020. Um, that's a tragedy. And the fact that that connected and a lot of the stuff that was said on the record connected so viscerally to what is happening right now is nothing but an, but an indication of, 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 of the, the perpetuating tragedy of, of society right now. And yeah. unfortunately, um, that's the case. Uh, that being said, it's been incredibly moving and incredibly, um, it's been moving to see it connect with people on this level. And I, and I, and I think that there's a frequency that people have in mass kind of tuned into. That is sort of the frequency that me and Mike were on and have been on when we made this record. And it just sort of, they just sort of went like this Mm -hmm. right at the, right at that time. And this record was this record in 2019 when we Mm -hmm. finished it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, This before we mixed it, but you know, this record was the result of, of, you know, Two to men's friendship um, and, and, the, and everything that we thought forever, and we didn't have any designs on it. You know, if, if, it were, if it we're up to me, this this would just be the like I've said before, and it, it would just be like the the paranoid ramblings of annoying old men. Basically, that would be my preference. Like that would be yeah, like yeah, yeah. you know, like the day that these records don't mean anything to anybody is is a fucking great day for humanity. And then me and Mike are gonna go make you know uh, m- make a fucking album about you know donuts or something i don't know what we'll we'll, we'll we'll make an album about you know a funny day yeah. that happened yeah and you know and that'll be great because you know we love banking music and uh but it's been surreal man it's been it's been i'm conflicted about it a little bit just because of what it means you know just because of what we are saying about the fact that if what we're saying is really connecting that hard it's just sort of affirmation that 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 this is real, you know? And, um, and at the same time, there's an honor, but we feel very honored to be taking into people's hearts and to, and to feel like there are plenty of records that are dropped, that have dropped around this time. And not all of them are connecting in the same way and they're connecting for different reasons and will connect down the line for mm. different reasons. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so for our record to connect in a positive way is really important. You know, you don't want your record to, pick up on the frequency and everyone looks at it and because it feels, it feels like of the moment, but, but it's actually giving, making people feel like shit.
1: Yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah.
2: and the, 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 cool thing about it is that it's the, the response that we've gotten is that it's been motivating or it's been healing for people. And, and that's all you can ask for in that situation. You, you can't, you can't control any of it, you know? Um, So, you know, I'm proud of us for at least, being you know not proud of us i'm happy that the record is doing something for people in a positive way
0: i love that i love that so so what's ahead for lp for run the jewels what's the plan going forward do you want to score more
2: more movies or what what's the focus i don't know yet i don't know yet i mean i think i'll score more films i'm I'm just going to kind of sit around and wait for the right one to pop up um and see what happens with that i'm not um you know in terms of run the jewels we you know we're we're just sort of Seeing what happens. I mean, we released a record and now we can't tour for a year. Yeah. So it's sort of uncharted territory a little bit. We're doing videos and stuff and we're figuring that out now. And, and, um, we'll probably make some more music. And, um, and I don't know. I'm just really, I'm just chomping at the bit to get out there and perform. That's yeah. really what I'm, what I want to do. So hopefully that'll, that'll clear up. And we're working on different things. You know, we're seriously working on a, um, creating a movie. We're going to do Amazing. a Run the Jewels movie. Yeah. So we're going to do our. Great fucked up version of the Blues Brothers, you know. So um I love that. Um yeah, yeah. So I think that me and Mike will be creative partners for a long time and it'll take different forms and do different things. And in the meantime, we're not gonna you know, we're just we're not gonna put any label on it and just see what happens, I think.
0: I love that. The episode that you two were both in in heavily of trigger warning I thought was was perfect. That feels like the start of a, a fucked up blues brothers type type relationship (laughs) and film so you've got that shit on well thank you very much for your time man it's been it's been an absolute pleasure
2: absolutely thank you so much you've been listening to scroobius pips distraction pieces
0: there we go. I hope you enjoyed that. That was l p um as said, it's been a long time coming. I'm so pleased we managed to hook up over 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 zoom. um yeah, I loved it. I loved it. um we recorded it a couple of months ago, and I've been so as I mentioned in the intro, I've been so eager to get it out to you guys, but wanted to hold off to get closer to a load of l's releases. So there we go. I hope you enjoyed that. I'll be back ne- next week. In fact, I'll be back every week. That's how we do. Um, hope you'll stay safe and are all happy and positive and filled with joy. Yeah, thanks for tuning in. I'll see you next week. Ta-ta.